So nobody, they never get the intro, that's okay. We, so we hear this in all the passages. For example, the spiritual gifts you hear in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. They all say the same thing. Spiritual gifts are for us to work and to serve the church and together outside the church. Now we also hear from all these verses that not one person possesses all the spiritual gifts. No one does. The only person who did was Jesus when he walked on earth, but none of us possess all the spiritual gifts. So the spiritual gifts are used in combination with one another to support one another and together with one another to support another person. An example of this is the healing prayer sessions. Now, in the beginning, I facilitated those myself, but as I was able to, I was asking for people to come in in support, and I would give the support person a role without telling them. I tell them, you do this, but in some ways, I encourage them to use their spiritual gifts there. So they will be using their spiritual gifts with me because I don't have all the spiritual gifts (laughs) to run that session. Together, we do. So as we build that team, I hope that if you have that call to join that team as well, feel free to let me know, and I'll tell you what it is about. Right now, I have three people, and I'm looking forward to more. I actually hope that all of you, as part of your disciple-making, are also be able to be part of a team that heals people through prayer, okay? So, you may be wondering now, what are your spiritual gifts? Or what is the difference between skills, talents, and spiritual gifts? Or if you have a bad experience with people in the church misusing their spiritual gifts, you may, become, may, have, might, might have become a skeptic and be wondering, is there something called spiritual gifts? Is that real? Or are they simply skills and talents used to serve God? Because that's the definition I was given. <laughs> skills and talents used to serve God are spiritual gifts. I don't think that's what the Bible says. But we'll talk about that in a moment. Also, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Isn't skill and talents enough to run the church? See, all the things are good. All these questions are good questions. So we're going to hear this all in the next three weeks. But before we do that, I just want to remind you. One of our goals this year is to create a place of learning. That means we all come with a posture of learning and a heart of learning. So if you come with closed ears and predetermined already, you're not going to learn anything new with spiritual gifts. You've already decided which are real and which are not from the list of spiritual gifts, then you're going to find this journey of discovery of spiritual gifts and calling very, very difficult. Because at Koan, a church of all nations, we hear the word and we obey no matter how uncomfortable we are. And we don't let our bad experiences and emotions keep us from following Jesus. That's why we're doing the journey of healing. Oh, and not to mention, just because... We cannot accept in our personal worldview. Doesn't mean that what the Bible says in, about spiritual gifts is not actually true. So I encourage you, as, always, as I have always said, hear the word afresh and obey what you hear. You'll be surprised by what God can do in your life. So this is a summary. If you lose everything today and you don't remember anything, this is a summary for today, okay? Spiritual gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit and distributed to every believer for the common good. But we often don't know we have them, don't understand them, or refuse to use the gifts. So my question for you today is this. What spiritual gift do you want to learn and use at Koan today? Let me start with this question. 
How many of you have bought fruit sometime in the market? Yeah, have you? Yeah, oh, everybody has gone to the market to buy fruit? Okay. How do you pick which fruit to buy? Huh? I can't hear. The best looking one. Okay. How many people do that? What happens to ugly fruit? <laughs> ugly vegetables. What, what else? What, what do you look for? What does it mean, best looking one? Seasonal. Seasonal. I like that. What else? Nobody best fruit here. <laughs> so if you were to pick, for example, um, watermelon, right? You, some people look at the lines on the watermelon. We hit the watermelon to see what the sound is, right? What else? What else do you look for? How about this? How about the country of origin? Have you ever looked at that? If you go to the store, they put the, right? It's from, and they give you Mexico, Peru, (laughs) all these Latin countries, right? Have you ever wondered why is that important? Have you thought about why is that important? Or maybe you're like, ah, country of origin doesn't matter. Why is that important? Maybe Ben knows. Sorry? The flavors we associate with those countries. Yeah, because if they are from the country of origin, the real country, it tastes different, right? (laughs) There you go. Exactly. It makes a difference. If you buy from the country of origin where they're supposed to really come from. (laughs) I'm not Canadian planted from other countries, but I'm not dissing Canadian food. You can eat this one. (laughs) The question is this. What about when it comes to the spiritual gifts? Have you ever thought that maybe it's not so much about what they look like, but what is the source that really matters? The root source. How do you know if it is simply a skill or a talent or a spiritual gift? How do you know it is from God? Because it's 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to read that today. What it says is true. Spiritual gifts are sources of power given by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Then being ignorant, hesitating, or refusing to use it means we're not living the full purpose and calling that God has for each of us in the church and together outside from the church. So let me read it for you so that we can hear it together. And then we'll talk more about this. So 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to just start with verses 1 to 6. If you have your Bible, I really do encourage you to hear this together. Paul writes to the Corinthians this. He starts by saying this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that is before you were Christians, you were led astray to mute idols, however you're led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts by the same Spirit, a variety of service by the same Lord, and there are a variety of works, but in in it, the same God who empowers all of them. Most people read these four verses in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 6. Um, Do I got the right verses? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Do I have the right verses? You did? Okay, okay. The last time I didn't, I didn't find out until the end. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, most people read the first four verses and they go quickly, okay, this is just about Jesus is Lord. And yes, it is. But see how Paul starts. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, you need to know something really important about Jesus. So let me give you three things to help you hear better, okay? First thing, not all things that we do are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not everything we do is empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, Paul is saying to the Corinthian church that before they became followers of Jesus, what they were doing, the things that they were doing had a different source behind them, had a different power. Now, if you read earlier in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul uses the word idols to make reference to something else, and that is demons. It's not a scary word. It's not. You can read 1 Corinthians 10. And in the context of 1 Corinthians 10, he says that if you engage with idols, what you're doing is engaging in worshiping demons. Now in the verses today, he says, before you were Christians, you were led astray by idols. You're living a life that was led by a power that is different than the power of Jesus. And that power worship demons. Now quickly aside, if you find this surprising, uh, you should refer to last week's message on spiritual warfare, which is not available online yet. <laughs> but uh, Jeffrey will put that on soon. Thank you. <laughs> but before the Corinthians became Christians, they experienced things. They've done things that looked like spiritual gifts, or they thought they were. But those things were not spiritual gifts. The root source of that was the demonic. So Paul is saying here, I want to remind you, Corinthians, there is a difference between what you did before you were a Christian and now. Because the spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit and they demonstrate that Jesus is Lord. Now, how is this key for us to understand spiritual gifts today? The first, this tells us the difference between skills, talents, and spiritual gifts. Skills are things that we learn, right? When we, grow, we learn, we go learn from university, whatever, uh, 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 you know, to learn to do something. Talents is something that you're born with, you're good at. And yes, God, you know, need you in the womb, He knows He gave you that talent, but that's not a spiritual gift. Because skills and talents do not necessarily point to the fact that Jesus is Lord. They don't. Now, if you are from another religion or before, like me, uh, or you experience other religions, you know that before coming to becoming a follower of Jesus, you have experienced some kind of power in your other religion that you were from. For example, uh, if you're a Buddhist or a Taoist, uh, my dad was a Buddhist, my mom's side was uh, kind of a generational invested in Taoism. They both claim some spiritual powers from the religions that they were. And I remember when I became a follower of Jesus, and I tried to share the gospel with my dad, I told him that because, you know, he's a devout Buddhist. It was hard. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to share something powerful that he doesn't have. So I was like, that, you know what? I speak in tongues. What do you have? <laughs> you know what he did? Ah, yeah, so do I. That's what he said. And then I had a conversation with him. He, I was trying to impress him with you. He was unimpressed because he also was able to connect with whatever power that he was connected to as a Buddhist. So that was impressive to him. 
See, there are powers in this world that look the same as the power of the Holy Spirit in the spiritual gifts, outwardly. But the results of these powers are not the same. And that's what the Apostle Paul is going to get to with the Corinthians. Let me put it in this familiar example, okay? In the journey of healing, I've been saying from the very beginning, we all hear three different voices. Our broken self, our, the enemy's voice, the devil, the demons, whatever you want to call it, and the Holy Spirit. To some people, the enemy's voice sounds like the Holy Spirit. And these people often live with anxiety, of condemnation, with worries, instead of uh, the peace and the conviction from the Holy Spirit. This is why, on the side, some people are really judgmental all the time, because they hear the condemnation in their own minds. And this has become more and more evident as you guys were in the uh, healing prayer sessions. When the enemy is behind the power of, or there's a powerful, uh, there's a, when the enemy is behind uh, a power that you experience, and some of you have experienced this in the healing prayer sessions, you feel anxiety, you feel hurt, you feel worried, you feel sad, you feel very heavy. And that's how many of you have described it to me in the session. But when it is Jesus, and every one of you has experienced Jesus, you experience peace, love. And that's why you all cry your guts out, right? <laughs> because you do experience that peace in a way you never experienced before. See, spiritual gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and spiritual gifts proclaim Jesus is Lord. You can name me any spiritual gift, and I can tell you how that gift proclaims Jesus is Lord. But if I cannot tell you why, how that proclaims Jesus is Lord, probably and likely it's a skill or talent, but not a spiritual gift. Now, maybe not the context here, but in some contexts, it could be related to the demonic influence. And I've heard about this in other contexts where people think they're using spiritual gifts, and actually they're not. So question, what if someone comes and tells you that their spiritual gift is to paint art, art pictures? What do you say to that? Because I had someone come and tell me that. I know where my spiritual gift is. I am an artist and I paint, and that's my spiritual gift. And I said, uh, I don't think so. And he said, yes, my mom says so, because she said, as long as I do this for Jesus, it's a spiritual gift. And I felt bad, but I had to tell your skill that you learn or your talent that you were born with may make you a great artist that paints pictures. And your spiritual gifts may be used in relation to that talent or skill, but painting the art is not a spiritual gift. The art itself and what you're painting is not a spiritual gift. It does not demonstrate that Jesus is Lord. If it did, all the pictures in the Vatican Museums would have an impact on the tourists that go there every year, but they don't. 99% still don't believe in Jesus. So the question then is, how does your spiritual gift demonstrate that Jesus is Lord? And that's what Paul gets to next. Verse 4, he says, Now there are a variety of gifts by the same Spirit, and a variety of service by the same Lord, a variety of activities, works, or in other translations as effects, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. We're going to get to the practical very soon. But what we're hearing here is this. There is joy, humility, 
empowering the spiritual gift. There's joy when using a spiritual gift. A few messages ago, I mentioned the gift is, tra- is from a word translated in the Greek called charismata. The word grace is from a word called charis, which is the same root word. Every gift is given by grace of God through the Holy Spirit. This means that what we experience when we're using it is grace and joy. Joy not in the sense, you know, in the sense of completion, but not in the sense of feeling our pride, okay, or feeling our sin, but joy in the sense of, hmm, I sense this fullness that God gives me when I use this spiritual gift. A few years ago, before I took on Church of All Nations project, I took a break from ministry to heal my marriage and myself. And in those two years, uh, in the first year, I was really, really focused on healing my marriage, so I didn't have time to do anything else. But as I was healing, all of a sudden, I started feeling this emptiness in me. I, didn't, I, had no, I was happy at home, but I had no sense of joy. Right? Joy is not happiness. It's two different things. Joy is what Jesus gives you. Because my gift of shepherding and teaching was not being used, and I felt a little bit of a lack of joy here. And Emily could see it in me because I would come home from work and I used to work in an office, in a seminary. From, from the, and Emily would be like, you, are, if you look unfulfilled in your life. Every time you come home, you just sit there and something is missing. I'm like, yeah, I'm not using my spiritual gifts. I'm not living my calling. And so when I was ready, because I needed to be ready, uh, God showed me the way back. And that's how Church of All Nations was born. <laughs> that's how the conversation started. But that is to tell you, when I started using my spiritual gifts again, I experienced the grace and joy from the Holy Spirit. So that's one way for you to know if you're using your spiritual gifts or not. If you experience burnout and anxiety and worry, maybe something needs to heal from that is causing that, or maybe it's not your spiritual gift. The next thing we hear is that when we serve, there's humility in that. So if it is your spiritual gift, you'll be motivated to serve others with humility. Because, as we heard in the verse, it says, there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. Everything, every service, every opportunity that we use the spiritual gifts to serve others, it is rooted in Jesus. And Jesus came not to serve, but to serve. So when we are using our spiritual gifts, we're motivated by this humility to serve one another. Not by our arrogance to think that we're better than others, or we have something. No, no. It's a humility to say, Jesus, thank you for your gift. I want to share this and use it on others. The next part it says is this, and there are a variety of activities, works, effects, but it is the same God that empowers them all. So God is present. When you use your spiritual gifts, God is present. Now, your translation in the Bible says works, variety of works. In the NASB says variety of effects. The Greek word behind is energon, which is energy. So everything is energized and empowered by God Not because of your own strength, not because of your own ability or skill or talent, but because God is present. So when you use your spiritual gifts, there is a transformational power in there. Let me give you an example that we all know. You can share with your non-Christian friends all you want about the Bible, but it is the Holy Spirit that brings them to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that changes their heart. It's that power of the Holy Spirit that transforms them. It's not out of your own strength. Though you can learn how to use that gift, and we can talk about that later. So there's no confusion. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that is present, and the power of God 
when you use the spiritual gifts. Now I know um, when we talk about power, you know, sometimes people get confused because of bad experiences. And again, I ask the same question all the time. Well, what is the source? Is it God? Does he proclaim Jesus as Lord? And I'll say, simply say this for today. The evidence that you know it is a spiritual gift is that the power of Jesus when he's present, it produces fruit of the Spirit. So when we're using spiritual gifts by God, empowered by God, we can sense his power and presence and we can see the fruits of the Spirit. See, every part of the spiritual gift proclaims Jesus is Lord. Whether you have a love gift, and I shared that last time, three categories of spiritual gift, love, word, and power, where it is a love gift or a power gift or a word gift or a power gift, they all loudly proclaim one thing. Jesus is Lord. Now you may say, this is all great, but how do I know I have a, a spiritual gift? Because I got that question, right? When I said, send me the question. Somebody asked, how do I know I have a spiritual gift? Let me say first, you do. Because as I said earlier, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And with that, he gives you spiritual gifts. But more than that, the evidence in our text today is because we are part of a purpose that God has for us in the church. And that's what we're going to hear next. To each is given, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit of utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who distributes them to each individually as He wills. So this is the time to wake up. I want to ask you these two questions. What do you hear in verse 7? And then what do you hear in verse 11? So go ahead and read the word and then see what you hear and take a moment to share Verse 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 11, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as He wills. What do you hear God say to you about verse 7? From verse 7. What do you hear? What do you hear about spiritual gifts? Go ahead, Julie. Jump in. What do you hear from Mercy? Go ahead. Okay. 
Everybody has a spiritual gift and it's meant for the use of others. What else is here? Can you speak a bit, tiny bit louder? So, <coughs> yeah, thanks. So what she's talking about is, is spiritual gifts are for the common good. But sometimes she was talking about um, <clears throat> church spends so much time meeting that we're not really using anything for the common good. We're just doing a lot of administrative work. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> Anybody else? Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just jump in. The uh, spirit is the one who determines the gift, which one it is. Excellent. Thank you. The spirit is common amongst all of us. Mm-hmm. So whatever he gives you, you to share with everyone. There you go. I like that. The spirit determines, not us. Whatever he gives you, you have to share with the other. Yes, sir. Not everybody has them all. Actually, most of us don't even have that many. <laughs> yes, it may come out of left field. Good point. Yeah. More on that next next week, though. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Christina, you have something to share? No. Oh, good. Yeah. So, verse seven: manifestation of the spirit is for the common good. Now, it contributes to the common good. So, it's interesting. God has a purpose for your spiritual gift that is greater than you. We need to remember that because sometimes people misuse or abuse because they forget about this. The spiritual gift is for the good of another to build up the church and then together as a church go out. Verse 11 says, where all, all these are empowered by one and same spirit and who apportions them, this is what John, Jonathan is talking about, to each individually as he wills, which means 
He's the one who decides who gets what. Which means it is his plan. It is his purpose. It is his plan. He's the one who chooses, not you. See, when I was growing up, my mom used to dress me. It was her plan of what I should wear. And I always ended up wearing some Mickey Mouse stuff. It didn't make me feel like I was in Disney all the time. It felt, me, felt that my mom was making my decisions. But that was her plan and her purpose to help me wear that, right? That's the same picture. God had a plan and a purpose for you in the church. He determined that already. So they're distributed according to the plan and purpose that God has for you, a church of all nations. Take a moment to think about that. And if the spiritual gifts are given for you to live God's plan and purpose, a church of all nations, and together as a church, to those people outside, how have you been using your spiritual gifts to live God's plan and purpose at church of all nations? Because it's what we're saying here in 1 Corinthians 12 is true that spiritual gifts are source of power given by the Holy Spirit for this purpose. We cannot be ignorant, we cannot hesitate, we cannot refuse to use our spiritual gifts or we won't be living the plan and purpose that God has for us as a church. Those who spend time learning about spiritual gifts and using them, those are the ones we're going to live God's plan and purpose here at Cohen. So now we're going to get really practical, right? Because I've been talking too much already. <laughs> but to whet your appetite next week, just kind of like what Jonathan is doing there, just to throw you ahead a little bit, in the coming weeks, we're going to hear the following questions. Are some gifts more important than others or more powerful than others? What if I'm afraid of using my spiritual gift? How do I know I'm using them correctly? Or does the spiritual gift change in each season? Those are things that we're going to talk about next time. So for today, before we move into the practical time, I just want to open the floor for one or two questions. Anybody have a question about what we heard here today? Or was it pretty straightforward? Anybody have a question? No? We're good? Okay. We're going to move on to practical time. So you ready? I'm going to go through a list of love gifts. So last time I shared three lists, love gifts, uh, word gifts, and power gifts. There are a total of about 21. And most people have told me, you are really familiar with love gifts, but as I went through the list and we ended up in the power gifts, you seem to be less familiar with power gifts. Uh, I would say yes, because even when we did the healing session on summer, when we talked about faith, truth, and, and power of Jesus or presence, most people said they know faith, truth, but less about the presence and the power of Jesus. So that is related to it. Um, but we're going to get really practical today. We're going to talk about love gifts. I'm going to share with you, because some of you asked us in the uh, form that I sent online, they said, hey, can you give examples of what they look like? So I'm going to describe them, and I'm going um, I'm I'm to give you examples about them, about the love gifts. Love gifts, there's four. War gifts, there's... More, more than that, I've seen six, and then there's eight, or something like that. <clears throat> uh, what I want you to do during this time is as you're hearing, 
I want you to start considering if you have them. Okay? And the way to consider that, the very basic thing is this. If you hear that spiritual gift and you hear, eh, that's probably me. I've done it once. Or I felt motivated to do it, to serve in that once. Probably not. <laughs> but if you see that recurring over and over again in your life, probably you should press in prayer to find out what God is saying about that spiritual gift in your life. So, you're going to find out also, on a side, that a lot of spiritual gifts are things that we also have to live as Christians. So, for example, there's a spiritual gift called giving, faith, mercy, uh, evangelism, teaching, uh, discernment. All these are spiritual gifts. At the same time, the Bible says that every Christian has to practice these things. So while we are all supposed to practice them, there are people that have particular spiritual gifts towards those things. So they have another level of calling and particular purpose in that role. So that's a bit different. But we all have to have faith. We all have to give. And I'll talk about that when we get to giving today. We all have to be discerning. But some people have the gift of discernment spirit. So that's a step beyond, beyond that in the call. So don't get confused between the two. Today, I just wanted to hear you to hear about your spiritual gift. Try to answer the following questions, and I'm going to repeat them after I share each one of them. But since you became a follower of Christ, of Jesus, have there been recurring evidence that you have a particular spiritual gift? So it's not something that you've done, you're used to doing before you were a Christian. For those who have gone through a journey of healing, since your healing has a particular spiritual gift become more recurring or clear in your mind now, or more evident. I've shared this in my own thing. As I healed, I discovered, ooh, I had a couple of very spiritual gifts that I wasn't using because uh, what I need to heal was, from, was uh, fear, and fear was preventing me from using those spiritual gifts. Uh, number three, do you have joy as you use it? Does it, or does it feel like a chore? Like, oh, I have to... I have to lead I have to go to church and preach again. <laughs> if you don't have that joy and it feels like a chore, and you're carrying something, unless you're needing to heal, probably not your spiritual gift. Um, does knowing your spiritual gift motivate you to serve like Jesus? Not out of duty, and some of our cultures that we come from is out of duty, but not really out of the joy of serving Jesus. Uh, we have to be yeah, discerning about that. And have you witnessed and experienced the power of God as you use your spiritual gift? This is a bit harder, again, because most of us said, eh, we're less familiar with power. But uh, as we go through this journey uh, in the next three weeks and beyond, it will become more and more evident. So a lot of this stuff is more caught than taught. So I can tell you all about it, but until you experience and use it, and you find out, oh, this is how it is, oh, this is how it feels like, and you have somebody to talk to and be mentored through this, uh, then is uh, yeah you won't you won't find out all, all the details of how it feels like and stuff like that. So, any questions? Otherwise, I'm gonna go through that. This we good? I'll repeat the questions as I share the spiritual gifts. <clears throat> so there is a book called Unlocking Your Giftedness by Bobby Clinton or Rob, Robert Clinton. He writes that with his father, his father and son thing. It's a very complete book on spiritual gifts. It's so complete 
that when I thought about having that us read that here, I thought it was gonna take about two years to go through. <laughs> so I was like, don't worry about that. <laughs> but I'm gonna use some of the definitions he had for spiritual gifts, and a lot of people use his definition because they actually went through a lot of years of uh, research on this, and they came up with something that really, really makes sense. So rather than reinvent the wheel in that, I just want to read that to you. So I want to start with the gift of um, gift of uh, administration. Okay. So in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 28, uh, it gives us, uh, you know, it says, and some poor, some of them have the gift of guidance or the gift of helps. Now, the gift of guidance, the word guidance in other uh, translation is administration. Administration is this, okay? It, it involves a capacity to manage details of service functions so as to support and free other leaders to prioritize their efforts. Let me read that again. The gift of administration involves the capacity to manage details of service functions so as to support and free other leaders to prioritize their efforts. In other words, you are somebody who have a knack of organizing things, who have a will and a drive of needing to organize something and make it so simple so that the leader or other leaders in the church are able to do their job. You free them to do what they have to do. Now, a clarifying point about this gift is, is not a leadership gift, and sometimes people get uh, confused. The gift of administration is a supportive gift, and it supports another gift, and we'll talk about that later, but one of the gifts it supports is the, is the gift of leadership. And what the gift of administration does is it creates this system so that the leader is able to use their gifts to serve the people. One of the examples that we hear is from Acts chapter 6 when the people are preaching, right? And they have to serve widows and say, hey, we should find people with good gifts of serving to help the widows so that we are free to focus on the preaching because that's what we're called to do. That's what we hear in Acts 6. It's a gift of helps where, um, yeah, where you're kind of like uh, the right hand and the helper of someone for the purpose of the church as a whole. Um, an example of this is uh, I, I know someone, um, and, uh, and, and um, this person is doing this for another church. So she has these spiritual gifts uh, to be able to see what are the needs of the leaders, and she will go and organize all the little things that need to happen so that the leaders can preach or serve. So I was in one, one time we were hanging out with friends, and I was talking, and and I was sharing that it is hard sometimes to be a pastor and have to do administrative stuff. Though that is part of the job description for a lot of pastors, it's not necessarily their spiritual gift. <laughs> it's not mine, by the way, I'm not. If you've been in core team, you know, I, I said, I'm not very good at sending that core team agenda because that's not my thing. <laughs> I'm not very good at organizing stuff. But some, some people are. So I was talking to this person and she was like, yeah, I think what you need is someone to just be able to be part of your meetings, observe what is the need, and go and do it. And all you have to do is go to the meeting and then go to preach and go, go to do the healing and discipleship and all that stuff. Uh, and I was thinking, yeah, but I don't have it in my mind. I was thinking, ah, oh, it would be nice to have a person who's living their gift of administration and serving in the church. But this is something that this person does. And I said, how do you figure that out? He's like, I don't know. I just really like to do that. I just sit there and watch people 
and I know exactly what they need to make this function, and I go and I do it, and I come back and say, this is done, ABC, all you have to do is do this, the person walks in the door, does this, blah, 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 blah. all you do is go up and preach. Bing! Gift of administration, right there. <laughs> so if you have the knack of organizing things, being very clear, watching things, picking up on details that other people don't, and you have that heart of serving other people so that they can use their spiritual gifts, maybe, and most likely, you have the gift of administration. Any questions about that? No. Anybody have the gift of administration here? <laughs> Judy, there you go. I knew it, but I wanted you to put it up here. <laughs> Great. So let's talk about the gift of helps. Gift of helps is the next gift in the list. Okay, it says gift of guidance, gift of helps. So I'm just following the Bible verse. It says, if you serve... Serve by the strength that God provides. That's the gift of helps. You can see that in First Corinthians, uh, sorry, in First Peter four, and and First Corinthians twelve. This is the definition that Robert Clinton gives. The gift of helps refers to the capacity to unselfishly meet the needs of others through practical ways. To unselfishly meet the need of others in practical ways. These people are the backbone of the church. Okay, these people are, they're okay doing the little tasks, menial tasks, and not getting credit or recognition. They're just willing to do what needs to be done in the church to help others do what they have to do. This is practically to just do the, the things that need to be done that other people maybe don't want to do it too. And it's a heart of, I'm just willing to help, no matter what it is. Now, I have watched the, spirit, uh, the gift of helps in a lot of people here. Like in the past few weeks, I came in and setting out the microphone by myself. People like Matthew, Greg would, hey, can I help you do that? Yes, please, can you get a practice audience so I can do what I, what I, what I, what I need to do up here? Uh, but this thing, the thing about this gift, is it empowers not just one person, but everybody. Because of what you do, because of the help that you offer, you're actually empowering everybody else in the church to do what they're called to do. And it's also the ability to see the people that need help. So this is not just serving in the church. You have this thing where you see, oh, this church needs help here, and I'm gonna go in there because there's a need of help, and I'm gonna serve. And nobody's going to know, but I'm going to do it. Um, I, I remember one of uh, our, our pastors a long time ago, he was just washing toilets after every Sunday because nobody was doing it. And he didn't say anything. He was just somebody called him once. He said, oh, the pastor is washing. We should, we should do it. Um, but uh, that wasn't me, by the way. It was some other pastor that I watched. And the thing is, he had that gift of helps where he felt, you know what? If there's a need there, I'm just not going to help. I want to make sure this church is running, this community is going forward. So it's an empowering gift that empowers others to live their gift. Um, and it's willing to do it without any credit. Okay. Any questions about that? I'm going to move on to the gift of mercy. That's pretty straightforward. Okay. A lot of people have the gift of uh, helps. Actually, it's the most common gift in the church. Then there's the gift of mercy. Mercy refers to the capacity to feel sympathy 
uh, of those in need, especially those who are suffering, and show sympathy in practical and helpful ways. Be that cheerful person in someone who needs help. And this is someone who shows God's love practically to those who are in need. So it's not someone who talks about it, but someone who actually goes and does it. And he helps those people who are going through difficult times. In the Bible, Acts chapter 9, we hear of Tabitha or Dorcas. And she's described as someone who does good works and helps people. He's described as someone who has the compassion when he sees people in need and she goes and helps. He's someone who um, is not just an emotional thing, um, but it's kind of like a deep calling that Jesus gives. So it's not like, oh, I'm emotional, I feel sad for this person, so I'm doing it out of kind of pity. No, no, no. It's, it's a deep sense of, I have responsibility for this person because God's love is in me and I have to love this person and they are going through a difficult time. So yes, we're all called to have gift of mercy, by the way, not just those people. <laughs> Everybody in church has to have the gift of mercy, has to live mercy. But there are people that are specially called for this, for this gift. And the difference between this and the gift of helps is that the gift of helps is to help a group, is to help a ministry. The gift of mercy is more a one-on-one, we're going to do this. But sometimes it is a one-on-one group if the group is in need of help, of course. Like if we were to help in a soup kitchen and somebody might have the gift of mercy to do that. And Romans 12 says, if, you show, if, if your gift is mercy, do it cheerfully. To show mercy, do it cheerfully. And I know someone here, and I didn't ask for permission to share this, so I hope it's okay. But I know someone here that has the gift of mercy because every time we're talking about things in the core team, this person will say, well, how about these poor people that we need to care for? And that's Julie, and I sense her mercy. I sense your gift of mercy so strong, Julie. Uh, and, and sometimes it's so inspiring because you remember the love that God has for you. And, say, and when you share how to, the need for us to take care of people, it shows, not because you want to do it, it shows that, it shows when you're sharing, it shows how Jesus' love is channeled through you. So I, I think you do. I submit that humbly. If you don't, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. Um, any questions about that before I move on to the giving? So today's gifts are pretty straightforward. The, the ones that are coming are less. <laughs> We're good? Okay. You can always talk to me after. The gift of giving. Romans 12 says, it says, if your gift is to give, give generously. Now this is the thing, right? If I say it's a spiritual gift, people are like, oh, that's not my spiritual gift. I don't have to give. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we all have to give. That's part of who we are as Christians. We are only returning what God has given to us. But those who have the spiritual gift of giving, this is the definition, have the capacity to give liberally to meet the needs of others and yet do so with pure motives. And with a simple sense that I'm giving because God has given me. There's so many stories about giving in the Bible. The poor woman with two coins, she throws the two coins. So it's not about the amount of money that you give. It has nothing to do with that. It's about the heart of how you give. We actually have a few people here with gifts of giving that don't know they have a gift of giving, that give above and beyond what they can to support church of all nations. We actually have... If you didn't know this, I have to share this today to encourage you. 
to make Church of All Nations happen, I have to fundraise. And not everyone who is contributing to, the, to, to this financial aspect of it is part of this church. There are people that don't know much about what is going on in this church, but they give cheerfully because they hear God's call to give. They have the gift of giving. As a matter of fact, there is this lady that I know, she's retired, and she's one of the major supporters of Church of All Nations because even though she doesn't have much, every month she makes sure that some is contributed to this church. I also know an elder from other, um, an older church. He had the gift of giving. So much so that people became jealous of his giving. But he didn't do it for people to know. So when he, what he figured out later on is he would go to his nephew and his wife and his son and said, Okay, each of you give this envelope because if I give them all, people are going to think I'm arrogant or stuff like that. But he would do it quietly. And he was his nephew who told me, Yeah, my uncle does that. He gives me this really thick envelope in cash with no name. And just throw it in the, in, the, in, the, in the offering bag because he really wants to give and he's called to give and he doesn't want people to know he just wants to support what God is doing and he, to, and he believes that whatever he receives comes from God and that's all it matters so again gift of giving is giving above and beyond to the needs it's not about you know how much it's about the heart uh, but it's about giving really giving towards uh, uh, contributing financially to a community uh, in the Bible, we read this in the Macedonian Christians, and I think, if I remember correctly, they were not very rich. They pulled the money together to give to the Apostle Paul. So that's, that's an example for you guys to think about. So four gifts, administration, helps, mercy, and giving. These are the easy ones. So I thought we'd start with the easy ones. In the coming weeks, we're going to have others. But as you are hearing this, I'm going to ask you the questions again. So for a moment, just take a moment to be prayerful right now. And, and, and think about the following questions. Since you became a follower of Jesus, have there been recurring evidence that you have a particular spiritual gift? Moments where there was a need and you just went and served. No questions asked. You just went and did it. You knew you had to do that. You wanted to do that and make it easier for other people. Have there been recurring evidence that you have a gifting and act towards organizing things so that your leaders and people with other giftings are able to use it fully? If you do, you might have the gift of administration. And again, we, of course, have to press into prayer into this. If you have, uh, it seems to be a kind of follower, there has been recurring evidence of a gift of mercy where every time you see people, you sense Jesus' heart for them. You sense the compassion for them. And you want to help and you actually do. Maybe you do have the gift of mercy. Or if you... Yeah, or if you... Yeah, I think I mentioned all of them already. <clears throat> or maybe you have the gift of mercy as well. Or if you have the giving where you're like, I have this much, but I really want to contribute financially because that's what God is calling me to do. Maybe you do have the gift of giving. For those of you who are going through the journey of healing, again, has it been more recurring now? than it has been before? Do you enjoy using these spiritual gifts as you had in the past? Or does it feel like a chore? Is the heaviness because, or the chore because you need healing? Or is it simply because maybe that's not who God called you to be? Does using the spiritual gift motivate you 
to serve like Jesus. And have you experienced or witnessed the power of God through the spiritual gift? Does anyone know? Today, you have a sense of which spiritual gift, love uh, gift you have? Does anybody have the gift of administration besides from Judy and Julie? No. Anyone have the gift of uh, helps? Anyone have the gift of mercy? Anyone have the gift of giving? So you may have a sense today, or you're unsure. And the point now is to keep on pressing to prayer. But not just that. Now is to go and try it. <laughs> because you can sit there and pray all you want, and in the end of the day, you're like, ah, I don't think I have it. Just go and try it. So my question for you is, now that you know this, what are you going to do about it here at Church of All Nations next week? Or this week? Who are you called to serve with your spiritual gift? You can pray about it in a moment. I'm just asking a question. And I'm going to make this note. A lot of our spiritual gifts are developed. Meaning God gives it to us. But we develop it more over time. So if you have the spiritual gift of may I be controversial here in purpose <laughs> prophecy or tongues or discernment of spirits when you're inexperienced you kind of understand a little bit of the gifts because God gives you the sense but you don't know exactly what it involves and you need to discern what is correctly a part of the gift and what is not and that takes time and you can only find out as you use it as you get familiar with it Okay, so the question for you is, who are you going to use your spiritual gifts on, or in this coming week at Church of All Nations, or what do you need to learn to use your spiritual gift? Any questions before we move on to the prayer time? Any questions about spiritual gifts or anything else? Okay, so next week we'll hear about word gifts. Uh, word gifts uh, clarify the nature and action and purpose of God. It's teaching, encouragement, apostleship, leadership, shepherding, evangelism. You might have the skills of those things or talents, but it is different with the spiritual gifts. The power gifts demonstrate the power and presence, reality of God in prophecy, tongues, interpretation, intercession, discernment, words of knowledge, healing, and and works of miracles, which we'll talk more about later. So I wanted to take the next, we have about half an hour before the time is over. And Julie, I forgot to coordinate with you the prayer time. So I'm going to lead the prayer time today, okay? Yeah. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to take the moment at the end again to hear. And maybe God can confirm to you what your spiritual gift is. For those of you who already filled out your spiritual gifts questionnaire online, don't worry about it. It's just for me to know where you start from. 
I'm gonna ask you to fill another one at the end, and so you can see the difference between where you started and where you are. I think most of us here have gifts that I mentioned here today, more than we think we do. And sometimes is the sense of, oh, I'm not quite sure. So, uh, but if we actually press into it in prayer and we start using them, we'll find out. So, um, yeah, there's so many ways to uh, use your spiritual gift to help mercy, giving administration this week. <clears throat> and I hope that you guys can find someone to use it on this week. So we're going to take a moment.